And when COVID broke last year, people were calling it a health crisis. By August, I knew it was a fraud vaccine crisis. And now is the time to take on the fraud within CDC, NIH. They're going to do the cabal, as I call it, where they actually use human beings as guinea pigs for vaccinations. Yeah. Ah. So my background, I'm, I'm the Senior Vice President of Technology <laughs> for North America for an automotive supplier. Uh, Start again. Start again. Okay. Uh, I got a question to ask you. Are my glasses foggy? Because they feel like they're foggy. Good. I, I, I can't tell if your glasses are foggy. Good. Because I can't see out of them. <laughs> okay. Okay, here, oh, much better. Now I can see faces. <laughs> okay, do I need to say my name first or? No, well, you know, your, na your name is written down underneath it. So we've identified you already. Okay, awesome. So, so Candace, welcome and, and give, us, give us your background okay. before COVID, your life before COVID. Okay, my life before COVID. Well, thank you, Christine, and thank you, Todd. Um, my life before COVID was um, extremely active. Uh, I am the Senior Vice President of Technology of North America for an automotive supplier in the Detroit area, which takes up a lot of my time. Uh, I'm an avid runner, a swimmer, and biker. And I like to say, I should say cyclist. I like to say that I am a triathlete. Um, so I normally participate in one to two uh, triathlons a year two to three half marathons and plenty of um, uh, 5Ks and 10Ks throughout the running season here in Michigan. Um, I also teach Zumba and something called Pound in my spare time. <laughs> Didn't get a lot of that done last year due to COVID, but uh, we did a lot of um, online classes. And I am also an, a yoga instructor. So my day well, starts at about six o'clock in the morning on my bike, right here behind me. And um, it ends about, mm, about midnight. Um, and <laughs> I forgot, I'm also the adjunct professor for the School of Business for Wayne State uh, University. And I teach ethics and information technology. Uh, so that is uh, my life in and of itself. I'm extremely busy. I love to be busy. Um, a day without things to do is extremely boredom to me and it's miserable. So ergo where I'm at today in the fact that I um, woke up on April 18th and was paralyzed from my waist, uh, from my chest down. I felt absolutely nothing. It was as if my legs didn't even exist, as if I was born with just a torso. Um, it was extremely confusing because I woke up to, I was laying on the floor and I went to go to bed. And when I stood up, I immediately just collapsed. And I looked down and I'm thinking, okay, this has got to be a dream. Um, I had enough wherewithal about myself to know that my living room, there wasn't anything sturdy for me to use to bring myself to a standing position. So I literally crawled into my kitchen and pulled myself up on my kitchen counter. Um, I got to a standing position and I said, okay. And I went to take a walk and I collapsed again. 
And on the floors where I stayed, uh, I happened to scream at the time that I was collapsing. Thank God I didn't hit my head or anything. Um, and it woke up my son who happened to be here that night. Um, so off we went to ER. Uh, I could not walk. So I literally crawled out of my house. Uh, everything in my house is stairs. So I had to crawl down a flight of stairs into my garage to crawl into the back seat of an SUV. So it was down the stairs and then up. Um, I, I really had no thoughts at that time because I'm thinking, where are my legs? Why can't I feel them? What, what's, you know, what's going on? So off we went to ER. Okay, so let, let's, let's, let's back up mm -hmm. to why you decided to get the vaccine, the type of vaccine you got, Okay. The fact that you got the second shot. Okay. And then how many days after did, did okay. you get to that point that you were going to the ER? So on March 2nd, I, re I received the first injection, injection. And I have to tell you that I actually had side effects, but I didn't realize that they were side effects until um, almost into May when someone was telling me the effect that they had after the first shot. So what happened is here in Michigan, a lot of our fire stations are the uh, distributors for the vaccination. So you go, you sit in your car and you pull off after 15 minutes. Well, when I pulled off, my face started to tingle as well as my hands and my lips felt as if, if I were to look at them that they would be blue. Well, I literally just laughed and said, girl, that's all in your head. Keep it moving. Let's go. And I drove to the store. Never thought anything else about it. Wow. The next wow. day, I had the normal sore arm. And by the next day, the arm, sore arm was gone. And I can't tell you when the um, numbness in my face left because I really did not pay attention to it. I'm an athlete. We have pains. So, you you know, you just keep it moving. Um, so my second injection was on March 30th. And which, which vaccine did you get? I'm sorry. I received the Moderna vaccine. Okay. So on March 30th, I, you know, have, have the injection. I did not have any uh, side effect that day. Um, the next day, again, I had the sore left arm, which is where I had the injection, but also the, the side of my face down to my neck was so sore that I could not move my head left to right. Um, I, again, thinking athlete, this is gonna pass. So I didn't pay it much attention. That day I actually did not go to work because it was, I couldn't move my neck. And so I knew I couldn't drive. Um, so what I did is, you know, just kind of laid around for the day and then I started feeling better. So, We'll fast forward to April 18th, which was two weeks, which was two weeks almost to the date after the second injection. And I, I know it because that day my best friend and I had decided that since her vaccination was the day after mine, we waited till that weekend to celebrate. And it was our first time going to a restaurant, uh, which was April 18th. That day I had a normal day. A normal Sunday for me starts with swimming. So I swam like 2000 uh, meters and uh, I met my friend to run. We decided we were gonna run about six miles and then uh, run, gauge the run so that we could end it at this particular restaurant where we wanted to eat. 
we ate our meal, and then we walked two miles back to the house, uh, uh, back to our cars. I remember saying to my running partner that, wow, that was the best run I've ever had. I, uh, I had um, no aches, no pains, and I had a great consistent uh, uh, pace, and it was just like awesome. In fact, that entire day, I tell people, was this, it was a serene day. It was one of the best days of my life. I didn't do anything special. It was just, you know, COVID is COVID. Um, life is going to, you know, continue. We've been vaccinated, and now we can, you know, start our life again is really how I took that day. Um, I will say about 7 p.m., I was in the driveway and I went to turn to come into the house and I felt an odd pain in my back, something I'd never experienced before. And my right leg buckled and I'm thinking, hmm, that was weird. But I literally, again, shook it off and just kept walking, came in the house, prepared some food, was watching TV. And as I said, I was laying on the floor watching television. I had drifted off to sleep. And then I wake up, it was around midnight to go to bed and the uh, perfect day turned into a complete nightmare. So when you say that your leg buckled getting out of the car, was it, was it like a cramp? No, um, uh, imagine, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before, but you're walking and your knee kind of pops back instead of uh, staying steady. So my knee kind of buckled, which is a runner's thing. It doesn't happen to me often, but you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I didn't think anything of it other than to, you know, hey. You ran you ran six miles that day. Yeah. And swam a thousand yards. So okay. you know, and I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> so aches and pains come along with 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 my life. So again, I didn't think it anything of it at all. Okay. okay. And that was the beginning of, of my horror story. So how many times, when you went to the ER in, in, from our earlier conversation, you, you, you'd spend a lot of time in the hospital, in two different, two different hospitals, right? 26 days. It was uh, two different hospitals, the same hospital system, but they transferred me from one hospital to the other uh, for physical therapy. And between the two stays, I was there for 26 days. So I came home on May 14th. So your experiences in the hospital are enlightening, okay? <laughs> um, and, and, and should be shared. So, so because you demanded answers. So um, enlightening is to say the least. So I, I want to preface it that when you wake up and you're not walking, the psychological effect for me, the first thing was literal shock that I kind of like laid in the hospital bed literally for four days before I really realized that, okay, this is real. This is not a dream. Um, I went to ER that, that night, as I said, at that time in Michigan, we were on another high COVID um, watch. So hospitals were, were full. I did get into ER, didn't get past the hallway. Um, and based on some blood tests that they took, they really didn't have any concrete evidence of what could be going on. So they wanted to do an MRI. Mm -hmm. um, there, 
their whole reasoning for admitting me was so that I could get the ERI, I'm sorry, so I could get the MRI and get it prior to like a two week stay. And I'm thinking to myself, well, <laughs> I'm not walking. So best thing we can do is to admit me into the hospital. I had no problem with that. And let's get that MRI scheduled. I did not get the MRI until almost 36 hours after I was admitted into the hospital. I did see, I believe it was like a spine surgeon prior to being admitted. And they, they were saying they had no clue what was going on, but the MRI should give them some type of direction. So we'll fast forward. I finally get the MRI and I'm you know still in sort of a daze. And I remember a doctor standing in front of me. She was a female and she had on her sur surgical garb. And she says to me, well, there's nothing on your MRI. So we're done. There's nothing that we can do. We're just going to turn your case over to an internist. And I said, okay, um, maybe a couple hours after that, the internist comes in and he literally tells me, I have no clue what to do. And I'm like, okay, thinking that, you know, something's gonna come along the way. Um, he literally came into my room three times and it was maybe day four or five saying that he had no clue what to do. And at that point, I am now starting to become Candace, a semblance of Cam Candace. And I say to him, um, you know, you've told me that three times and what you're not gonna do is come in here again and tell me you don't know what to do because we've established you don't know what to do. What I'm expecting is for you to get somebody in here who knows what to do or transfer me out of here because now we're talking 36, 48 hours and you keep telling me the same thing. We know you don't know what to do. Next person that comes in here better have a clue or I'm in an ambulance going to a hospital that can help me. Within an hour, a neurologist shows up. Wow. <laughs> um, the neurologist did, um, I'll say, uh, his neurologist, ne what neurologists do. Uh, he's, you know, knocking my knees and uh, using the uh, steel bar to scrape my foot. At this time, I can tell you that my right side of my body, I can't feel anything from my chest down. The left so side. What about your arm? My arms, I never had a problem with my arms or my hands or my mouth. Okay. <laughs> the left side, any sensation was 10,000 times more than what it was. So if you poked me, I literally thought it was cats scratching me. That's how exasperated all of my feeling on my left side was. And there was no feeling on my right side. So the neurologist says that he doesn't um, know what's going on. The first MRI was a thoracic MRI. So he ordered a cervical spine and a brain MRI. It took about, mm, I got that MRI a, a much faster and it comes back and he says that, you know, there's nothing on your MRI. We have no idea what's going on. So we're gonna attribute this to, um, inflammation. And I think it's uh, TM, transverse mellitus. And from this point, what we're going to do is a spinal tap. That should come back and point us in a direction of inflammation or what we need to do going forward. It took about another 24 hours to get the test back that he was taking. And my spinal tap came back, nothing. So the... Um, neurologist comes in and says, there's nothing we can do because we're not seeing anything consistent 
from the standpoint of neurology. So we're gonna turn you over to physical medicine. Okay. During this time, physical medicine had started seeing me, but they really weren't engaged. Uh, the whole purpose of physical medicine is physical therapy. So by this time, I'm a little bit more of myself. I have my iPad and my phone, so I can start doing research. And the uh, neurologist had told me that you either have TM, transverse myelitis, or you had a uh, what's called a spinal cord stroke. Um, I'm thinking a spinal, a spinal what stroke? Spinal cord stroke. Okay. And I'm thinking uh, there's no way I had a stroke. I mean, I don't I don't even take an aspirin by this point. I and I just had my physical. There were no, there was nothing out of tolerance. My cholesterol was leaning towards high, but it wasn't high. So there are no markers in my body for me to have a stroke. But I'm going to, you know, um, go along with your professional assessment. And at this time, I start doing my own research as to what I need to do. Um, by day six, physical medicine is still telling me, well, we don't know what's going on. We need to get you into physical therapy, but we have no beds. <laughs> um, I was told that for maybe two and a half days. And um, in the meantime, they do have people coming by to see me, uh, moving my legs and uh, pretty much as if I'm an invalid. And I'm pretty much an invalid at this time, but I can move my upper body. I can actually get myself to the commode and back. So I feel that I've got way more mobility than how they're treating me. Um, I had one of the physical therapists come in and this is after day five and I was sitting up and she's like, oh no, you shouldn't be sitting up. You should only lay down. And the only reason why you should get up is to go to the restroom. And I say to her, um, excuse me, I've been here five days and I've seen five physical therapists. You're number five. And you mean to tell me those other four didn't realize that I shouldn't be moving? And now five days later, you're telling me that I shouldn't be moving? I, I got a problem with this. But you know what? If I shouldn't be moving, that's what I'm going to do. Well, day six, um, and I could have my days off, but day mm -hmm. six, all hell hits the fan. Because another physical therapist comes in and says, why are you laying down? You should be up moving. And I'm like, okay, time out. <laughs> you guys have no clue what you're doing. But what you're not going to do is give me in inconsistent stories, number one. And all of the medical doctors are saying that I need to go to physical therapy. So what you're going to do is go find me somebody that I can talk to because I need to understand why I'm not in physical therapy. And I also need to understand why you therapists can't get the story right. So I get a, a doctor to come in and they're like, well, we don't have any beds. And I'm like, I'm in a bed. What's the deal? <laughs> why can't I go to physical therapy? Well, our th physical therapy is closed due to COVID. And I'm like, I get it, but are there COVID patients in the gym? And he tells me no. And I said, and you got a key to the door, right? And he says, yes. And I said, that's all I need. You got therapists here. You got people um, that can get me to that floor. If I have to sign something to say that I'm okay with going to a floor to bypass that have COVID patients on it, I'll sign it. But right now it's critical to start moving me. You had 36 hours and now we're on to 72 hours and I've not moved. So this is 
impacting me and I can't understand. You've got a state of an art of the art facility. I can't understand why you're telling me that you can't service me. Well, he happens to say, well, we can't, we've got several patients in, in line. And I'm like, well, then that makes it even more important. It's not just me. <laughs> you've got patients right. that need care and you're not offering the care because of COVID. And I'm sorry, I'm tired of hearing that word. COVID's here and it ain't going nowhere. I need help. What are you going to do? So he tells me that he could, they can move me to a nursing home. And I said, a nursing home? And he goes, yeah, that would be the perfect place for you so that you can get the proper care. And I'm like, um, okay, you got to be joking because you don't know what's wrong with me. So you want to remove me from my medical care to a nursing home facility who their patients are normally patients that they facilitate to be able to maybe use the bathroom, comb their hair. Um, not anything like what I need because... I need to get out of this bed. Mm -hmm. And he tried to convince me that that was the best place for me. And I'm like, no, you're not moving me from this hospital. So the next day, he, the same doctor proceeds to tell me that they're having a problem with um, getting my uh, insurance company to approve physical therapy. And I'm like, uh, yeah, we got some of the best insurance, but not a problem. I let him talk and he wasn't out the door before I'm on the phone calling the insurance company, trying to figure out what's going on. I thought it was really odd that a doctor would tell me about insurance. But, you know, again, I'm going along with the program because I need physical therapy at this point. Um, we uh, <laughs> I, I call the insurance company. I get a great person on the phone who hears my story, tells me that she understands why I don't want to be moved from a hospital setting and that it doesn't make any sense, but she would really need to understand from the hospital's perspective what they're, um, why they're making this decision. But she also says, but I'm looking in your records and no hospital has contacted us. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Really? So this, is just, this is just one blunder after the other. One blunder after the other. Um, so we, we get this crazy thing about the insurance, and I, I don't remember the time frame, but nothing was moving. So I asked one of the physical therapists that I need a manager, hospital CEO, somebody needs to come see me, and immediately. So a young lady comes to see me, and as you can see, I, I talk with my hands, so I'm extremely expressive. And I'm saying to her, you guys are telling me this crap about a bed. I got a bed. So I don't see why I can't get services. I can't, um, I'm waiting to go to another hospital who they don't have beds. So at this point, the easiest thing to do and the thing that I would think that you would do, especially since I'm not the only one that's in this predicament needing physical therapy, is that you would open up your unit and facilitate us, or at least facilitate me. I don't know what other people are doing. And, and so they, they originally told you that the, the physical, physical therapy, therapy was down, down right? was close, correct. But yet I had physical therapists that were coming that wouldn't move my legs and see about my heart condition and if I could get myself to the restroom. So my first thing is you got therapists here and unless the, the room burned, <laughs> Because <laughs> the advertisement for this hospital, one of the things they advertise is this wonderful physical therapy uh, unit that they have. So unless the room burned, you still have the room and you got millions of dollars worth of equipment just sitting, not doing anything. 
why are you not using it for your patients? How many people do you, did you later learn of that were in the hospital because of a reaction to vaccines? So that was extremely interesting. I um, was surfing on, on Facebook and I do not know how I came across this young lady who had done a video. She was in a hospital setting and she was talking about her symptoms. Her symptoms were her legs were not working. All of a sudden she was paralyzed from the chest down. And I'm listening to it and I'm looking at her background and I'm like, oh my God, this young lady's in the same hospital that I'm in. So on Facebook, I go to her messenger and I message her and ask her if she's in the hospital that I'm in. And she responds back, yes, how do you know? And I said, well, your background looks just like my background. <laughs> so we've gotta be in the same hospital. Um, ironically, she was released the same day that I came in. So the video was like a day old. Um, she was in the cardiology, cardiology unit and I was in physical medicine. So I asked her who her doctor was and if it would be okay if, if I had my doctors reach out to her doctor so that we could you know, compare, compare symptoms, compare notes, Sure. Try to figure out what's going on. What's going on. And she she gave me her doctor's name and I requested with my doctors that they speak to this doctor. And my doctor said, no, we're not going to speak to her because every patient is an individual. And I said, well, but if we're individuals, but I can tell you that she's got symptoms very similar to my symptoms even down to the point of the same vaccine, I, I do believe. And it just would be prudent that you speak to her doctor so that you guys can compare notes. What I did know at the time is that her doctor was on vacation. So that's why her doctor wasn't engaged, but her doctor's assistant did come to see me and did offer to, um, and told me when she would be back and that I could call her when she came back from vacation. Well, by the time all of that transpired, I was no longer at that hospital. So I never did the follow-up. But my whole um, point was you've got two people that have the same condition. Um, let's compare notes. I don't know why she's in cardiology. I don't know why you guys have me in physical medicine. <laughs> That's for you guys to figure out and to come up with a plan that maybe what she's suffering and what I'm suffering is the same. So, so did, did, did you ever hear from anybody, anybody anything about, about um, protocols, CDC protocols? No, I never heard anything about CDC protocols because, again, my set of doctors refused to even consider that it had anything to do with the vaccine. So since they were completely throwing that out the door, they did not want to engage in anything vaccine related. Did that woman that you found in the hospital, did she go through the same thing? She went through the same thing, um, not necessarily with that particular doctor because she was actually transferred to that hospital from another hospital that was uh, further upstate because they felt that that cardiologist could help her more with whatever, they, they were feeling that hers was more of a cardio situation. But at the hospital that she was at, she got the same runaround that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you because, again, our blood tests come back and don't prove anything that um, the medical community is looking for. Uh, during this time, I also had received a link from a friend that of 
a news article of a woman in Kentucky that had the exact same condition as me, exact. And she oh, too took the Moderna? She too had Moderna. Um, I watched the news article and you know I was very hopeful because they had a plan of treatment for her, um, which consisted of aggressive uh, physical therapy. Uh, at this time I had reached out to her, but we had not connected yet. We've, we eventually connected told my doctors about it, and they refused to even look at the YouTube video. They were like, oh, you know, we're not interested. And I'm like, why can't, why aren't you interested? There's a lady, and I said Kentucky, I meant Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, Ohio, that has exactly the same uh, condition that I have, the same symptoms, <laughs> all the way down to the same vaccination, and you won't even consider, contacting her doctors because they have a plan for her. You don't have a plan for me. You're still trying to tell me about not having a bed. <laughs> um, so I raised so much sand in the hospital that they finally put together a small program to allow me to go to physical therapy. Uh, I, I think that happened for two days. Um, on my first day on coming back to my room, my internist uh, stands in front of me and says, wow, that must have been a really good therapy session. You're a strong woman. You're so ready to go home now. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, this has got to be a joke. So I'm not going to react because that really just pissed me off. <laughs> and the whole purpose of me going to physical therapy was not for you to tell me that I could go home the next day. It was so that I could start my recovery because Again, I'm not a doctor, but everything that I've read says the longer that a patient sits with either of the two conditions that I could have, the less likely it is that they will um, recover. Um, they finally decide that, oh, maybe next week by Wednesday, you'll get transferred. Okay, so what are we gonna do in the meantime? And the doctor, this was a different doctor, looks at me and says, well, you know, you're going to be here over the weekend. So what I would suggest you do is you build a ramp. And I said, build a ramp? And I kind of chuckled because I'm like, he's got to be joking. And he goes, yeah, you should be concentrating on building a ramp because from what we understand about your house, you have to go up several flights of stairs. And the only way you're going to get in your house is to build a ramp. So that's what I would suggest you do. Over so the he, was, he was giving up on you. Uh, he was giving up on me, but he was also, I don't know what he was doing because there was no way I was going to build a ramp in the hospital, nor was there a way that I was going to contact somebody to build a ramp because I'm in the hospital. <laughs> How am I going to get this this ramp built? Um, that was like completely demoralizing. But by this time, <clears throat> I am extremely frustrated. And all I want is a little bit of physical therapy that they are providing me with and to be transferred to the next hospital that is supposed to be able to help me. Um, by Wednesday, I do get transferred. Ironically, they opened up the physical therapy unit at the hospital that I was at on the same day. Wow. That's great, fine. I was so ready to go from there. Wow, wow. It really didn't matter. I get to the other hospital, they, they, they set up a, a therapy program for me 
And um, this is Wednesday, so I believe it was Friday before I saw their actual physical medicine chief. And he tells me um, that based on what he's seen in my records, there's nothing that they can figure out that's wrong with me. Uh, so they're gonna give me the physical therapy, get me stronger. They're gonna send me home. But the best thing that I could do was to get used to being handicapped because that's just how it was gonna be. You know, what's, what's, what's interesting, <laughs> that's just shocking. But, but what's interesting to me is that when you were, which you just said a little while ago, you're researching that one of the benefits of moving your body and yet you had run on April 18th mm -hmm. and you swam. So whatever condition you had, was it a result of moving to, of exerting yourself? Did they think later on? They never gave me any indication that it was anything that I had done. Um, again, they were looking for inflammation. None of my markers in my body showed that there's any type of inflammation. Um, the spinal tap showed no, no inflammation. Um, one of the things that they were going to do had the inflammation shown up was a plasma exchange. And that, you know, would be to filter out, uh, whatever, filter out my blood system so that it could regenerate and not have whatever's floating around in my body to cause the inflammation. But since they couldn't find the inflammation, they canceled that. The only... Um, only thing that I received was a high <laughs> dose of steroids, and that started before they got all of the tests back because uh, the neurologist was leaning towards transverse myelitis, which is the inflammation, mm -hmm. and the first course of action for that is steroids. I did five days of aggressive steroids and received no benefit from that at all, none whatsoever. So what was what led to your discharge? I mean, what, what uh, they couldn't find anything, or um, they can't help you. I, I'm going to say both of those. But what the doctor told me was that the government was going to put me out, and I said, "What?" He says, "Oh, we've we've got to get you out of here before the government puts you out. You know, they're only going to let us keep you here so long." And again, I was so just done with, and, and this is the second hospital. I was so done with these doctors with um, no compassion and just flippantly saying things that made no sense at all. Um, one of the things that I didn't say is after he told me I should get used to being handicapped, my roommate who's about 70 years old have no clue what's wrong with her, but he goes over to her and says, oh, we got to get you up and walking so you can get back to work. And I'm laying in the bed and I can't say the words that I said in my head, but I'm like, oh, so I'm expendable, you know, just be handicapped. You can, you can learn to live handicapped. Okay. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't remember when I asked, but I asked them to uh, fill out a, a VAERS report. I told them that I didn't care that they didn't think that what I was uh, suffering from was a result of the vaccination. But since they couldn't tell me what I was suffering from, and since the only thing that I had done differently in my life was to take the vaccination, um, let's fill out the report because I'm kind of leaning towards 
my problem here has to do with the vaccination. Well, one doctor told me, well, it was too, too um, long after the vaccination for it to be the vaccination. Well, that lasted all of 24 hours before he came back to see me because I did my own research. You got up to 90 days after your last shot uh, for any uh, adverse reactions. Um, mine wasn't 90 days. It was 18 days after my last shot. So um, I still want you to report it. Um, so the, doc the doctor didn't know or he didn't want to do it. He did not want to do it. And <laughs> eventually I was told that they would do it. But I honestly, Christine, do not think that they ever reported my case to theirs. I reported it myself. Uh, but that uh, their system, I uh, have an advanced degree in organization development and change. You know, there's a doctor in front of my name. Mm -hmm. That website, it, I, I, don't, I don't even understand how the doctors fill it out, but they would have a better chance of filling it out versus someone who is not part of the medical community. So I'm pretty sure that the way that I filled it out and at that time, the only thing that I knew was that I was paralyzed. So I gave my condition as paralyzed and, you know, they wanted a lot of medical terms. I didn't have those terms. I didn't know about paresthesia at the time. I didn't know about um, tin tinnitus. I didn't know about any of those things because the, they weren't giving me those words. And since transverse myelitis was something that they had ruled out, um, I didn't even use that as a term. So I'm pretty sure whoever saw my report pretty probably was like, we, we, we don't even understand this. So if, if it was used, it, uh, the, my symptoms were not, uh, what I reported was what I knew from a hysterical person who no longer can walk versus someone who has medical knowledge and can actually state what type of symptoms I was having. Did you ever hear back from them? I did hear back from VAERS that they received my report. It was about um, 45 days later, which I hear is uh, their time frame, uh, And it was the same confirmation number of the number that I received. So I do know that it was the report that I filed. Again, I don't know if the hospital ever filed a report for me. And I'm, I'm very curious to find out because as I told the doctor that I was speaking to that he didn't have a right to make a decision for me not to file the report. I'm the one that took the vaccination. It's my body. And since, especially since he can't figure it out, it would just make sense to me that we put me in the pool of people that we can't figure out what's going on with them after taking the vaccination. So, um, so here's, here's what, what <clears throat> your experience <clears throat> pardon me, is a little bit different uh, because you're, you, you, you were, well, I shouldn't say it's different. I mean, so many of these stories are the same, but, but when you're in the hospital, I mean, you're, you're, you really are your, your own advocate. Okay? I am my own advocate. You are, I, and you're, you're a very good patient to be your own advocate. Um, um, it's very I never hard for people. expected anything like this in any hospital in the United States of America. I was treated like I was in a third world country. Um, and I, 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 again, I'm healthy. So the last time I was in the hospital was when I had my son 27 years ago. If this is the way that we're treated in the hospital, um, you know, once medical has decided, oh, there's nothing we can do, they literally had just kind of set me over in the corner. 
And until I started coming, you know, awake and understanding that one, I'm not receiving any care. Maybe I see a doctor, maybe I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, again, I didn't get steroids until maybe the sixth day that I was there. I never received any medication up to that or any, you know, they would ask me about pain level. Well, a paresthesia, I didn't know about paresthesia, didn't understand it. So the tingling and the sensations that I was having in my brain is irritation and not pain. So I would say, I don't have any pain. When in all essence, I had a lot of pain. <laughs> and because I was on my back, I didn't realize how much pain I really had in my back until we got to the next hospital and they started moving me. Because I can tell you, on a level of one to 10, my back is like a 15 on a daily basis, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Does it go down your spine or is it in your mu tissue, your muscles? It goes down, it's, it's literally um, halfway from my shoulders down to right where um, under my, where my rib cage would be in the front, but in the back, literally just that area. So it's about, I would say about this much and it's a band that wraps around from my chest. So not only do I have so it's a, like having a corset on your on your chest. Yes. And on my abdomen, but only on the right side. So all of the, the compression of the feeling of of just the tightness, like you said, a corset, the old time corsets where you had right. the screen and somebody was on each side. Well, the person that's on my right side's got a lot of strength and they're pulling those cords all the time. The person on the left is like, oh, okay, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna worry about it. But it's still wrapped on the left side. Right. And then my back, I describe that as an army of ants in army boots, running all day, stomping, going you, to you still you still have this? Oh, I still have it. I still have it. Um, and it increases with movement. So it will subside if I'm sitting. And I'm saying subside, it doesn't go away. I mean, right now my back, because I'm, I'm talking and using my hands, my back is literally gripping like this. Um, so what I do, I haven't stopped moving. I just move with, with pain. Um, I did at one point after the steroids, I had a, a, a muscle spasm is what they said it was. And they gave me gabapentin. What's that, uh, what's, what, what's that for? It's for, um, it's actually for seizures, but um, the neurologist's um, assistant told me that a lot of times they'll use it for nerve pain. Um, she told me she was gonna give me the lightest dose, which was 100 milligrams. And when I tell you that I took this and I literally was pent to the bed, I was asleep, but I could hear the television. I could hear every conversation around me, but I couldn't open my eyes. Um, when I finally woke up and again, the mind plays a lot of tr tricks, but this was after I started raising a lot of sand in this hospital. <laughs> so then you give me a pill that knocks me out and shuts me up. I'm like, I can't take that again. I mean, because I could not, I already can't move, but the few things on my body that I could move, I couldn't move and I couldn't open my eyelids. Um, that's probably the worst uh, medicine uh, reaction that I've, I've ever had. Why did they want to give that to you? 
because that day, as I said, I I was having what um, I would now say actually is what's going on right now. My back was starting to just turn and um, uh, this gripping feeling. So they told me that what it was was a muscle spasm and that the gabapentin would help with relieving the muscles. Well, again, when I finally came out of this stupor, my back was still spasming, which I doubt it ever stopped. <laughs> and I, I couldn't tell you how long I was out. I'm going to say I was out almost a half of a day because I know I missed lunch. It was delivered and taken away. So, so, <clears throat> so when you got out, so you got out what May June? When, when I got out May 14th. May 14th. Okay. Yeah. So you've you've been out now for three months. Yep. Uh, and tell us, tell us a little bit about, you know, how your life has changed um, in terms of your day. I mean, you're not going into the office. You're still teleworking from when I talked to you before. Yeah. Um, so the day I was released from the hospital, um, when I was in the previous hospital, they told me that someone would come to my house and do an assessment of my house before I would ever be released to go home. So the day that I'm being released, I'm talking to the social worker who, again, I never saw a social worker until the day I was being released from the hospital. And I asked her, I said, you know, what type of services um, will I have? And she literally laughed. And I looked at her and I said, I don't see, excuse me, I got to say what I said to her. I don't see a damn thing funny right now. I don't understand the humor. You got to answer my question because you're about to drop me off at home. And what? And she said, well, you know, any services that you would receive, you'll get them out of pocket. I can give you a list. And I said, you know what? Since you didn't think that it was appropriate for me to have a list, keep your list. I'll, I'll figure it out on my own. I said, but you know, this is poor piss way to, to handle people because you're telling me that if by chance, since I'm single, by chance, I wouldn't have found somebody to bring me home. You would have probably got some kind of van to take me home, drop me off in my driveway and pull off as fast as they can. Because you're telling me that once I leave here, I have nothing. And literally she said, well, I don't know if it would have been that drastic, but eh, pretty much. And I'm like, okay. So I came home with a walker, literally with a walker. I had not built the ramp that the one doctor had told me that I needed because I'd never been home to get someone to build a ramp for me. Uh, from physical therapy, they did work with me on ascending steps. So um, we have simulated, uh, I think it's six steps to get into my house. So we worked on me being able to get up six steps with a railing and a wall. Uh, so I was able to get myself in the house. But once I got in here, it's like, okay, now what do you do? Um, I had a walker and uh, they had told me to order a um, shower chair. And the shower chair was sitting on the porch because I had ordered it. But from that, I literally had to figure out what to to do. Because did, they, did they not, <clears throat> pardon me, offer of those services? because they just don't do it at the hospital or is it because that they stopped it because of COVID? 
And no one ever addressed it to me. Um, <clears throat> I said the social worker that was talking to me made it seem like all patients get released with no services. Okay, with but it, it, I mean, to give them the benefit of the doubt, I mean, it's horrible for what you went through, but perhaps like they they shut down the physical therapy at that first hospital. You know, I would believe maybe they did that. You know, yeah. but 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 still, you're in a pandemic that doesn't help the patient. You know, I would believe that if I hadn't had the experience with my father being in the hospital during COVID, and I can tell you that I talked to several social service workers throughout his entire stay. So maybe because I'm not officially a senior citizen, but I doubt very seriously when someone has a debilitating um, issue. Social services is supposed to get involved. The previous hospital told me that, you know, social services would get involved. That never happened for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so now, now, so you're still on a walker, right? I'm still on a walker. I still, still have those ants in the back. You still okay. have the corset pressure that's, that's around your rib cage. And uh, imagine, I'm sure your foot has fallen asleep before and you go to stand and the pins and the needles, how your foot feels. Both of my feet feel like that all of the time, whether I'm standing on them or not. All I got to do is wiggle my toes and I feel the pins and needles. And then the compression, the same compression that's in my chest area, right. climbs up my legs. So I describe my legs as feeling as if I have on 15 pairs of compression stockings at all times. And as I walk or as I move, another pair of stockings get gets put on on top of those. So as I move, the compression gets more and more intense. So what's the what's the the light at the end of the tunnel for for right now? with your doctors and, and, and your, your care? I mean, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Is um, there a game plan? I'm hoping that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, they released me from the hospital. Uh, the same doctor that told me to get used to being handicapped challenged me to find a doctor that would give me a diagnosis other than what he had already given me because I would receive no other diagnosis. But he said, you know, the type of person you are, I know you're going to get a second opinion, but, you know, don't be upset if you don't find out anything different. And my, uh, uh, the paperwork for the, for releasing from the hospital told me to follow up with my primary care. My primary care doctor happens to be in the same group with the hospital that I went to. Um, so I really wasn't too keen on spending any more money with this hospital system. But I did follow up with my primary care physician because I figured if I need any help until I find another doctor, I'm going to have to go through my primary care. I did go see her and um, she's been my doctor for years. And she said, you know, she had been following my case. She'd been reading everything that was going on, but she had no clue. And she literally asked me, well, what do you want me to do? And I literally told her, I guess nothing, because if you've been following my case and you're just as um, stumped as the other doctors, I don't know what to tell you to do because I'm coming to you all to find out what to do. All right. So so at what point, what point did you say, OK, you got to let people know, like the FDA, the CDC? I mean, what, did you did you go down that stuff? So I did not go down the FDA or the CDC step. Um, I, 
because when I went to the Moderna site back when this happened to me, Moderna sent you back to VAERS. So that's what I did is I filled out the VAERS report. Um, but that's only for adverse effects. That's not for, that's not for caretaking. That's, that's not for, for, for well, from the standpoint of this horrible care and what have you, I kind of put that on the back burner because my focus right now is to get myself back to life. I mean, I can't even drive. So I, you know, I'm single. My life is my living room right now. <laughs> so when it comes to trying to combat this horrible care, I got to be honest with you, I put that on the back burner because that's not a fight that I can have if I don't have wills and I don't have the means to take care of what I need to take care of when I go to fight that fight. The fight mm -hmm. I'm fighting is I got to get my legs back. I've got to get some type of life back um, through the people that I've you know been acquainted with over the internet. A, a, one lady reached out to me and she actually got me in touch with the um, a neurologist in another hospital system here in the Detroit metropolitan area. Uh, and this is a, a, another crazy story, but it's a good story. That particular doctor is not the one that saw me. Another doctor who happened to be a COVID specialist saw me. And he's like, I don't even understand why I'm seeing you. You've never had COVID. And he starts looking over my records because they asked me to bring um, all of my records. And he actually happened to be a stroke specialist too. He looks at my records and he goes, you didn't have a stroke. There's no way. He's like, I don't even have to look at your MRIs. I can look at you. And based on the way that you're moving, this is my specialty. You did not have a stroke. What you have is transverse myelitis. So what I'm going to do is refer you to our transverse myelitis specialist. Great. Um, I actually didn't get to this neurologist until maybe four weeks ago because it was two weeks ago that I see the neurologist for TM. Um, he had reviewed all of, uh, all of my records and I actually sent them a binder that was about this thick, you can imagine. Uh, I brought my MRIs with me to the appointment. He sat down and he reviewed the MRIs. And <laughs> the first thing he said is that, um, nope, you didn't have a stroke, number one. Number two, you have a perfect brain. And he laughed and he said, and based on what I read in your records, I know you have a perfect brain, but I can tell you that you don't have MS because multiple sclerosis was the other diagnosis that they'd given me. And he said that um, it's a stretch, but there does look like there could be what, what we would call a lesion on your spine. He said, and it's a stretch because it is very hard to find, which is why it was overlooked. The second radiologist did see it, but again, this guy's looking at my MRI and he says, but it's so minute, we don't know. And we probably will never know. Um, I asked him point blank, could it be a result of the vaccination? And he kind of chuckled and he said, I, I don't know. I can't tell you that. And I said, okay, so boosters are coming out. Should I take it? And he goes, no, don't do that. And I said, well, great. You don't have to tell me it's a result of the vaccination, but by you telling me not to take the booster, that 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 satisfies my mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, ironically, on Monday, I am going for six more MRIs because he wants to compare the MRIs that they took in um, late April to what will come up now so that he can even map out a plan of treatment. 
right now the only treatment I'm receiving is physical therapy. I go three days a week. I myself have started seeing a chiropractor um, probably about a month now. Uh, am I seeing any results? No. He says that there's some results from you know what chiropractors do, but my physical body, no, I'm not seeing any results. And I also go to an acupuncturist uh, maybe once a week, trying to get into his schedule up to twice a week. But um, in this area with the acupuncturist, it's kind of hard. So later in the year, I do have the multiple appointments a day. My insurance covers the chiropractor up to 30 visits, does not cover acupuncture. Um, uh, so that's out-of-pocket expense. And uh, my insurance does not cover the traction for the chiropractor. So that's out-of-pocket expense. Um, but, you know, by now I've used all my deductibles. So uh, anything that is covered by my insurance is 100% covered now because I have exhausted all of my uh, co-pays and what have you. So, so, so how big was your insurance bill? Um, I have not, I'm still getting them in, but the one hospital stay, and it was the first one, was $54,000. Wow. Um, again, with this being the same hospital system, I haven't seen the bill for the second hospital stay yet, but I can imagine that it would be more than that because I was getting more services from that hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so blessed that my, my copay, um, there, there's out of pocket for that, but nothing like 54,000 or, um, once I, I, I have no problem saying it, my copay is $1,500. So that's, I'm blessed from that end. And, um, I can only imagine someone in this position with, uh, inadequate insurance or no insurance. It's, it would be a nightmare. You know, that no, when, that you're, when, when you're saying, saying that, um, um, or inadequate in insurance, insurance, okay? okay. So we're going to have, if, pe if, if, if people keep on getting injured, they may end up going bankrupt. Oh, yeah. I mean, so the, the, the fallout from this, you know, certainly is the lack of informed consent, not enough warnings, Nobody knows how to treat the people who are injured, who's chosen to get the vaccines, either clinical, non-clinical. Right. And then they don't know how to care for them if they get injured in the hospitals. There's no protocols because nobody can figure out the clue game to say whether it's the hammer, the knife, the living room, you know, or the, or it happened in the library. Nobody, nobody knows. No, nobody, knows. nobody knows who, who, what caused it, but, but the patient still has to pay out. And what, what's really sad is nobody knows. And in my experience, I have to tell you that they didn't even care. Um, I was not a person to them. What I was going through was not important. It was okay just to send me off to a nursing home that they knew. Um, one, one part of the story that I didn't tell you is this doctor tried to paint a wonderful picture about a nursing home and why I should go. And I let him talk. And when it was all said and done, I asked him, well, you know, that was a great story. Now, would you do that? And he said, no, no, I wouldn't do it. I'd stay in the hospital. 
And then he said a couple other things and he asked me for my decision. And I said, I don't have to make a decision. You already made it for me. You answered the question. <laughs> if you wouldn't do it for yourself, why would you expect me to do it? Why would they bring in up the nursing home? Because because you, you couldn't walk? They were saying that, that's, that, that that was your only option? For, for physical therapy, for aggressive physical therapy, my only option would be to go to a nursing home. Um, and being quick witted that I am, I cut the doctor off before I let him finish because he was about to tell me about the affiliation that he had with the nursing home. Uh, you know, days later, I'm going over the conversation and I don't know what his purpose was, but I'm thinking that's the only reason why I could think that he would want me to go to a nursing home because it's money in his pocket because it sure wasn't going to be any benefit for me. And again, I, I unfortunately, my father has passed this year, but I just went through nursing homes and physical therapy and the physical therapy that is supplied in a nursing home is not the type of physical therapy that I needed. They don't even have the facilities that I needed. So mm -hmm. I didn't understand what the purpose was of introducing a nursing home as part of my care. Um, yeah, it was it was it was the wrong assignment. It was clearly the wrong assignment for a woman your age and and who has been an athlete because you're talking about getting back to that point of being an an athlete. Yes. Yeah. You know, and again it, it it makes me wonder I'm blessed I am. I have the wherewithal. I can do the research for myself. Um at at the time no one could get into the hospital to visit me. So I had to advocate for myself. But what if I wasn't, you know, able to? What if um, the paralysis had gone to um, my neck like it has with other people and their hands and their arms? They would have just thrown me in the corner to be a vegetable. And I honestly believe that because as long as I was quiet, docile, and, you know, just completely kind of in a daze, we had wonderful conversations and they didn't say anything, but, you know, mm -hmm. but once I had started realizing that one, you've said the same thing over and over and what you're saying isn't, you know, providing me with any help. And I started asking questions and I started, you know, um, giving options like, well, why can't you do this? Or why can't you do that? Then I became trouble. Um, at one point mm -hmm. I was deemed as uh, harmful to the hospital staff. Harmful to the hospital staff, I can't even move. And what happened was the lady that I was talking to, again, I talked with my hands and she said something to the effect that I was frustrated. And I threw my hands up and I said, yes, I'm frustrated. And I hit the table and a cup of water spilled over. And she runs from the room because she felt as if I was going to attack her. <laughs> I said, you know, that's the craziest thing that I've ever heard. I can't move. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so what mm -hmm. was I going to attack her with? And she's standing like seven feet from me. There is nothing in this room near me that I could use as a weapon. It was frustration, exactly what she said. Um, but I was deemed um, <laughs> a threat to the hospital staff and this one particular doctor in my record stated that he wasn't going to help me until I got psychiatric care. What? <laughs> a psychiatric care. So this was the first hospital. So every day I demanded the psychiatric care that this doctor said that I needed, never received it. 
I've, I've never had a social worker come talk to me, never had anybody in sight come talk to me. A minister did come and talk to me and I told him that, you know, you might wanna go talk to God independently because what I got to say, it won't be for your ears. So I <laughs> thank you for coming wow. by. Wow. But, um, wow. <laughs> so what is, what is, you know, it's important for, for you and all of the people that have been injured to speak out, Kansas. It re I mean, it really, it really, really is. Um, and, and I mean, from, you know, the, the irony of everything you went through <clears throat> is the fact that you're a professor of ethics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you're looking at this and wondering, where is it? Right. Where are the ethics? Where's the morality? Um, you know, my father was in the Air Force, so he had pride for this country, which, you know, flowed over to me. No, I've never served, um, but I know a lot of people who have served. And when I think about uh, being a being a child and in the Air Force and how much weight that carried how much pride we had in that to understand that our country would allow its citizens to just suffer like this i can't i can't fathom a united states like that i don't understand why this is such an issue i took the vaccination because as a citizen what are they asking people now you know it's the pandemic of the unvaccinated um, yeah, but if you get vaccinated and something happens to you, it's you are SOL. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Up the creek without a paddle is what you are. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm in a very, very bad position because I, I talk to people on a daily basis. People want to know what happened to me. I tell my story. People will ask me, well, do you think it's from the vaccination? And if they ask me, then I'm going to be honest about it because it is from the vaccination. But I can't honestly tell a person that hasn't been vaccinated to go get vaccinated. And I can't tell them not to go get vaccinated. You know, I can't just sit and not say anything um, because it's, it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other. I don't want something to happen to someone because they're not vaccinated. But then I would feel remiss that, Christine, I'm talking to you and I'm saying, hey, you got to go get vaccinated and then you turn out like me. And then I tell you, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> that's one thing that I didn't tell you, that you, you're rolling the dice if you go get vaccinated. You know, and that's this, you, so that's that's what you want people to know, because you've been you've been there. I, I've been there. And this misinformation crap, <laughs> that's crap. I'm not misinformation. The people I know, we are not misinformation. There, there's no way that you can have thousands of people with the same symptoms and you continue to say it's not the vaccination. Okay, we're still part of research. We're, we're, the, the, the vaccination has not been approved. So we're still part of the clinical trial. And what should be happening is that our data is being collected and our cases are being reviewed. They're trying to determine, that's the whole reason why you have a trial, they're trying to determine what's causing a certain portion of the population to have adverse reactions. Maybe you don't have a solution other than these people can't be vaccinated, but there's a, there will be a group of us that know that we can't, we can't tolerate the vaccination and we can. So do you, do, do you think, 
<clears throat> do you think that this is intentional at this point? I mean, that it's been so much time and that there's been, an, that it's an intentional ignoring of the people that have been injured? I believe that it is intentional. I know for a fact that we have reached out to um, CDC, the FDA. We sent a, um, a group communication unless nobody read our communication, um, our letter. Um, we're, you know, we're sending out information about our websites. Uh, people are tweeting um, Janet, um, uh, uh, Fossey, we're replying to their tweets saying, hey, we're out here. Somebody help us. So, um, what would you, so what would you say to Janet and Fauci? What would you say to Janet? Um, you know, I would rather talk to Fauci <laughs> because I believed him. I, I believed him. I would have staked my life on what that man said. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting emotional. And he's lied to us. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, Candace. It's okay. He has truly lied and he's continuing to lie. Um, and so I don't use Fauci. that word. Yeah, he knows what's going on. I mean, um, it's just like a car. When you put it out for production, I'm, I'm in the automotive industry. So you put it out for production and let's say there's a problem with the brakes. Companies make a conscious decision that we either fix it and it's going to cost us this amount of money or we let it go and we allow um, the collateral damage. They have decided that it's not going to be enough people to really quote unquote, make a difference. So let's keep moving on. Let's keep rolling these vaccinations out that um, again, the lies are coming up. Uh, they're, they're becoming very apparent. We were first told we take the vaccination, you can't get COVID. And nobody can tell me that Fossey did not get on the on television and say it, he did. And now we're backpedaling. Oh, you can get it, but you won't, um, it won't be as uh, dangerous. That's crap. They're covering up that there are people, breakthrough people that are in the hospital that are on ventilators. They're covering it up, period. And they know it. And if they don't know it, then they need to know it. And I can't imagine that not one of our communications has been seen, not, not seen. Um, these people don't have a conscience. There's no way. So do you think that what they're doing is making people slaves to pharma? You know, that's that's interesting. I don't know what the end game is because the more this unravels for me, the the more that I'm realizing that the vaccination is not the 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 panel that it was supposed to be. Um, COVID is not going away and the vaccination is not going to poof. It's going to be gone. It's, that's not going to happen. So now we're talking boosters. Okay. Um, did where's the therapeutics? I'm sorry. <laughs> Where are the therapeutics? Yes. So yeah. did we do a calculation of now that you're going to shoot people for a third time, how many of those are going to be injured? You know, one of the things that I have said, and it was on a video that I did that got taken down and I believe it got taken down because of this. I don't want COVID. No, I don't. But given what I have today, at least if I get COVID, I know what my path is going to be. I'm either going to get better. I may get 
um, you know, some of the therapeutics that they have. Uh, the last thing that I want to do is be on a ventilator, but I got a chance. I don't know if I have a chance. I look healthy, but I'm telling you, I can't walk and I'm in pain 24 seven. I don't know if this is going to reverse or if it's going to get worse. I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> and the medical community can't tell me that. Um, this is not a life. I, I'm, I'm grateful to be breathing, but this is not a life. Sitting in my living room is not a life, and this is not how I'm going to live my life. But in the same respect, I don't know. I've never, I'm 55. I have no problem telling you how old I am. I've never thought about death. I know it's prevalent for everyone. My, my dad just died uh, January 20th. Still didn't have me thinking about death, but I can tell you since this has happened to me, I don't go a day without thinking about death because I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I don't know if I'm, you know, if I fall asleep and I just don't wake up. I don't know that. Um, one of the things that I did while I was in the hospital, I do have a will, um, but since I couldn't see my son, I had one friend that was fully vaccinated, the same friend that I was I was running with, and I had her come to the hospital so that I could record my last will and testament so that if I died, she could tell my son that I loved him because I didn't think I was going to make it out of there. About three weeks ago, I got deathly sick again. I refused to go to the hospital. That mm -mm, hospital wasn't going to, um, I, I just felt if I went in the hospital, I wasn't coming out alive. Uh, and, and we shouldn't, this is 2021. We have all kinds of technology in this world. We shouldn't be afraid to go to the hospital because of, a lack of care about what's going on with the vaccination. And I, I truly believe they know what's going on. They're scientists. If they don't know what they're, what's going on, they need to be fired and we need to get a new set of scientists because um, you don't distribute something. And you, I mean, I'm a technologist. I started off as a programmer. There's no way when a, one of my programs broke, even if it was in production, all you had to do was tell me what it was doing and I could pinpoint and go back to that area and figure out what the problem is. So I'm just what would you, so Candace, Candace, in closing now, in closing, what would you say to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? Wow. I, you know, I can't believe Joe Biden doesn't know. Um, and I would feel that he's the type of person that would be very caring and want to understand what's going on. Um, I but the letter was sent to the White House. Yeah, um, but did it get to him? Uh, if it got to him, I don't believe that he's the type of person that would just ignore it. I, he that doesn't seem to be his fiber. <laughs> I don't know. Um, if I could talk to him, I would tell him point blank that you've got American suffering and we've left soldiers behind. <laughs> we did what you asked us to do. And now it's like we don't matter. We really need to be heard. We, we need to be seen. Um, maybe they can't help me, 
but they can use me to help somebody else. Because what about the, kids? What about the, what about the children? The targeting oh children. Um, there's there's no way that they should give this to children. Um, we already know twelve and above. We know at least one child that this has just completely destroyed her life. And I, I gotta give a shout out to Maddie because she is a trooper. Uh, I'm a full grown adult and some of the things that she's going through, I don't know if I could handle them. Um, she was in the clinical trial and has been just thrown to the side. Um, Big Pharma really needs to take another look at their conscience. Uh, those who are making the decisions, they know that that girl is out here. She was in their program. There's no way that you can continue to say, no, this is not part of the vaccination. There's no way. There's an absolutely no way. And if we're going to do this to our children, mm, Again, I don't want any child to be to, to be sick. I mean, we've got more children in the hospital now than we ever have. Quite frankly, I think some of that is just sensationalism to get people to get vaccinations. I don't know. I can't believe their numbers because we know that their VAERS numbers are wrong because we're not being counted. We're not being looked into. So I can't believe anything that they're telling us until I see it for myself. But what are we going to do when we roll this out to let's say 12 and below and a four-year-old how do you explain a four-year-old no longer walking and the last thing that happened was the vaccination are you really going to tell that mother and father oh well it can't be the vaccination we don't know uh <laughs> but that's ha but that's happened in the past there's a history of this of, with the vaccines and the pharmaceuticals you know once the pharmaceuticals have no liability once they have no liability and, and we're going to continue to allow it. That's, that's not right. I mean, these children didn't, none of us has asked for it, but to give something to children knowingly that there is a problem with it. And we know that there's a problem with it. If it affects one person, there's a problem. That's why you do a trial. I mean, if we didn't care, then we would just develop it and start shooting people with it and and not do a trial, which is pretty much what they did, <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I am not in line to have children vaccinated. That's, that is not the solution until they can determine what is causing our bodies to go haywire and have a course of action for at least the children. Bless your heart. Thank you, Candace. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to say to me? You know, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Um, again, we are only looking to be heard, to be, to be believed. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I wouldn't have been in the line if I was. I've mm -hmm. received all of my vaccinations. I do not do the flu shot because I happen to be allergic to egg whites. So I do not do the flu shot. But I had no problem doing this because the way it was presented to us was it was safe. Even with the amount of research that I did, there were things that I didn't know to research, so it would never have come up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were told that it was safe. Okay, I get it. There's a problem with it. Let's just fix the problem. Let's just fix the problem, and then we can continue to move forward.
Do you think you think that it should be stopped right now and and fix it first before there's any more shots? I, I do. I, we need to do a full blown clinical trial like we would have done with any other um, vaccination or any other new product that we are introducing to our bodies. I mean, right now they haven't uh, approved Regeneron or they're, they're not re approving that. They're requiring it to go through their full clinical trials. So what's so special about this vaccination? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's yeah. so special about it? Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much. Okay. And, and I will, I will, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be in touch. I mean, I want to take this, you know, continue this and, and talk to everybody and I'll be, okay. I'll be back to you. Okay. So, I mean, uh, reach out, reach out if anything takes, you know, a turn. Seriously. Thank you. And it was a great opportunity to actually meet you in person. <laughs> I know it is.